You're listening to the Give Me Five Podcast, episode 135. Is that This Rob? is the Give <laughs> It's my radio voice. Mm. This is the Give Me Five Podcast. I mean, we talk about things like pop culture, movies and music, and whatever the hell we want to talk about. My name is Scrimmy McGibblebottom, and I'm joined by Don't point at me. Greg and I are trying Somebody's to figure out it. who is who that is. Fine. Greg's waiting to do his speaking spell, boys. Go ahead. And a speaking spell. Douche canoe. D O U C H E C. Great if you spelled it. I don't believe that my network is connected while in the middle of spelling the word douche canoe. As a speaking spell. Yeah. Wow. It's almost as if my computer and the internet was like, don't you make fun of my my early relative and just you shut better me watch down. Your, you better watch what you fucking say about this movie then. You, yeah. You pissed off the internet, Greg. You're fucked. I pissed, I, I pissed off technology on a day that we're talking about a movie about te- that's about pissed off technology. Wow. Oh, well. You need me I'm getting rid of my blender. You forgot a couple of letters, sir. Well, because they, I, I don't know where I was when it shut down, but uh, N O E, douche canoe. I, okay. I think you missed the A, but that's all right. Uh, um, either way. This week. Our, our listeners know how to spell douche canoe, goddammit. This week, we're going to talk about Rise of the Synths. Uh, documentary on, uh, where was it on? Was it, it wasn't Netflix, right? It's uh, it was on Vimeo. Vimeo on demand right now. Okay. I think. Still. So it's maybe. a documentary called Rise of the Synths on Vimeo on demand, as well as the 1986 Wes Craven gem about a young robo necromancer, Deadly Friend. Yep, that's accurate. And guys, that's, that's this... kind of what I called them in the movie. Yeah. No, it's it's a it's very good. Uh it it definitely um makes it a little scarier. This is a review show, and there will probably be spoilers. Uh, we'll try to avoid any major twists. So if we're talking about something that you haven't seen, read, or listened to yet, then use your own discretion. Though I don't think there's going to be anything terribly shocking that we reveal this episode. I might get murdered by a 3D printer halfway through the episode. It'll just jump off the shelf <laughs> and club you over the head. <laughs> it's in it's the background. Slow. It's printing a club. <laughs> it's silently it's like printing a, hunt- a hunting knife. <laughs> printing a little arm. It's just going to come up from behind him and comically just tap him. Boop. Greg's going to wow. fall down the stairs and start twitching. We're going to talk about stairs later. Excellent. Yeah. Well, we're at the point where we ask for news. So, what have you got about stairs, Greg? No, yeah. that's that's for the movie. I'm going to talk about that oh, during the movie. Okay, okay. I've okay. seen Greg fall downstairs, and we're going to get to that. Okay. Hold your horses. All right. Well, it has it has been a 
I mean, I don't want to say a rather slow news week because there's been a lot of news. It's just none of it has been pleasant or entertaining or anything. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it's, you know, I will say <clears throat> I do have a little bit. All right. Since, since I actually did spend the entire day today at officially the reopening of Universal Studios. Oh, you have to tell us all about it. So Universal Studios is in 144 in characters. Okay. Currently <laughs> in phase one, 25% capacity. Most stuff is open, not all of it. Low crowds, low lines, virtual queues. All right. Hmm. So how did you find that experience? I actually I'm, found I'm it, turning this into a topic. I, I have to know. That's that's quite all right. Um, I yeah. actually found it rather, rather nice simply because it wasn't jam packed with people. It was nice to be there when you didn't have to step around strollers or you didn't have to, you know, move every 13 seconds to avoid getting hit by somebody. Mm -hmm. The the lines were still they, they still had a bit of a wait but that's largely because the lines were just so spaced out and the rides are operating at lowered capacity. We got on, we got on Hagrid's Hagrid's coaster mm -hmm. and we were one of two cars on the entire coaster that we were on that were, had had people in it. Hmm. So there was the people in the front of the car and then there was us like in the middle back of the car. There was on a night that it was just my workplace. There was a 120 minute wait on that ride. Mm -hmm. No, just oh yeah, yeah. I the, wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah hundred. It was a hundred twenty minute wait. Not that I would have gone on it, but um, yeah. And so it's it's nice. We we really only did that one ride, and then we kind of went and ate at Mythos. Um, I think Mythos is actually back on top for best uh, theme park restaurant. They've got the banner out front. I think they might have won recently. I don't know. Um. But the food at Mythos is excellent as always. It's great. And everybody, everybody is so happy to be back. Like all of the employees and everything. You walk past employees and they're all like, welcome back. We're so glad to have you. You know, it's great to be open again, blah, blah, blah. So it's, it's been, it was a really nice atmosphere. I mean, they're not doing things like the, um, the nighttime shows. They're not doing parades. They're not doing any of that stuff. And they've got people wandering around. You have to wear a mask. Mm. unless you're e unless you're eating or drinking you have to wear a mask when you're walking around you can take your mask off at the table but when you get up to like go to the restroom or something you got to put your mask back on um it's yeah, honestly it's 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 a it's a nice experience it's not too crowded the they have they've started a new thing where if you if you're interested you can download the universal app on your phone and then you have access to signing up for the virtual queues. So you, you can actually, you have to be in the park. Yes. You, okay. Well, do you like, I'm not a hundred. Yeah. Can, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm going to say yes, mm -hmm. but I'm not sure if that's actually true because like it, it was one of those things where we checked it and there were no, no availability checked it. And there was no availability checked it. And there was no availability checked it. And there was availability. And it's like, so I'm not sure if the times that we checked it before we were in the park, it just wasn't connecting. Or if you actually mm -hmm. physically have to be in the park, 
Um, I'm not even sure if you can if you can log if you can sign up for a virtual queue for a ride in the other park. Like if you're in Universal Studios Florida, I don't know if you can actually sign up for the virtual queue for a ride that's in IOA. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I guess what I'm I'm wondering is if you go. Okay, the the wait for Hagrid's is an hour and twenty minutes, and then you like you jump in the queue when you're leaving your house. I want to say that because it does use location technology, it, mm. it checks your it checks your location. So I I want to say that you have to at least be on property. Um, I don't know if you have Got to it. be in the park, but I'm going to say, yes, you need to be in the park before you can sign up for the virtual queue. And not all of the rides are virtual queues. Some of them are actually uh, wait times, but the the lines are so spaced out that re- keep in mind, if you're waiting in line, it's going to take a while because they're they're not loading the cars as, as much as they normally do. And the lines are so spaced out. The, the line for Gringotts, Escape from Gringotts, mm-hmm. went f- from Gringotts all the way around to that bar on the right side over by that water fountain. So that's really far. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because everybody was spaced out six feet. So, Mm. and a lot of those people were just returning for the virtual queue. Yeah. In fact, in fact, actually everybody was returning for the virtual queue because that was the only way you could get in line. That was the only way you couldn't actually, that was one of the rides you couldn't actually wait in line for. You had to sign up for the virtual queue. Well, I uh, I definitely, if I go soon, which hopefully it will be, um, I'm going to have to wear one of those masks that keeps my, my glasses from fogging up because I'm a glasses wearer and I imagine you're going to spend a lot of time in that thing. So um, just make sure you have one with a, you know, one of those kind of, kind of what, N95? Those are the ones with the... Here's the yeah. N95, Yeah, yeah. Or or something, or or like this awesome mask I get here today, which I'll I'll model for you guys right now. Ooh, let's oh, yeah. see. Okay, he's taking off his glasses. He he had uh, to take off his the, glasses. The earplugs are now, so we, he cannot hear us at the moment. Rob, do you like to say anything about Jimmy? Penis. Wow, the mask looks de- exactly like uh, like balls on his nose. Now that he is wearing, it is a snorkel mask, but it is one of the ones with the snorkel at the top of the the goggles. Um, he does not, in fact, look like a Navy SEAL. He does not. No. And and he wanted one that wouldn't fog up his glasses, yet ironically he took his glasses off to put this on. Yeah, I, I don't think this is for going to theme parks. I think this is for some sort of diving. I, I'm going to say snorkeling. Some sort of snorkeling? Yes. So I was, I was trying to feed you the word diving um, you know, for for other purposes. I was hoping you would run with it, but you did not. Oh well, you but. see, I got this for for uh, for spelunking, actually. Ah, he's spelunking. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's actually very cool. I look very fifty cool. fifty chance that Jimmy's gonna die in a cave at some point. Well, I mean, it costs fifteen bucks, so that's that's very yeah. likely. <laughs> <laughs> I paid fifteen dollars, so I'm probably gonna die. I got it. I've all I've seen enough horror movies to know that he's gonna go into the cave. And come out, and he's going to be acting a little weird, and then it's going to turn out he's possessed by some sort of like organism that has been living in the cave. And we're going to have to kill him. I'm going to do the rest of the show like this. I promise I will weep. I will be the person that you can have on camera crying as I throw the the flare at you to ignite you on fire at the very end. 
of the whole situation. So you will be mourned. You actually did remind me that I do have some news, by the way. We'll let Jimmy continue being in a mask. Okay. Where were you? We're not done. Well, no, no. I was, I was just, I was just going to go, I was just going to go a little bit further and give you all some, some other dates because SeaWorld opens next week, um, June 11th. And then Disney is opening July 11th. Gotcha. It's just all it, all it reduced capacity. And so it's opening up just at the time that I never would go to any of the theme parks because oh it God, because in the middle of summer. Yeah, because I, I have a very large dislike of my um, uh, balls getting sweaty. I'll just say it. What the fuck? I don't just, want to I deal with that. Put my headphones back on and I heard balls getting sweaty. That's about right. Yep, yep. pretty much. And I saw so, I saw an article in my email that Johnson and Johnson was going to stop selling talc baby powder. Mm-hmm. So yeah, your but you balls can... will continue to be sweaty. No, I, I use I go all the way. I use the uh, the gold bond, man. I use the, the the green one too, the medicated one. That is a burst of that that wakes you up in the morning. There, woo, menthol. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. So, students, if you're listening, you know why Greg is so peppy in the morning. I am not. Anyway, let's talk about one other thing here, real quick. There is a Sounds we like have some board game. About two things. Yeah, we have some board game fans Your uh, on the show, first of all, and also out in the audience. And we also have some major Disney fans, of course. There is a new Disney Jungle Cruise board game that came out by Ravensburger, and Ravensburger apparently is, kn- is known. I'm not, I'm not a big board game person. Yeah, he's the on. They're known. Is it Ravensburger the one who did um, um, the horror game? Maybe they they do make pretty decent games. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of you know, their their packaging, their artwork, everything is very Michael well Ravensburger <laughs> from the Trick or Treat Radio podcast that we're on. But we'll get there probably. So there is a game. It looks like it is for eight and up. It and the artwork is fantastic. The reason why I'm talking about this is not just because it looks good and I'm actually kind of intrigued by it, but the, all of the artwork in the entire game was actually created by a former coworker of Jimmy and mine. Yes. Mr. Jacob Jacob McAllister. Actually. And Rob has met him as well. He was the um, guy at Megacon that was like repainting the toys, like blasters and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And had the um, really cool, like pork art and stitch art and stuff. Yeah. Um, Super nice. Yeah. So, yeah, very nice guy. He was a he worked with us. He um taught Photoshop and he taught um art like hand art or traditional art. And I don't know, and he works at Disney as well, but he uh got a chance to do this this game and the art looks great and he's uh, it'll be too late because of when we release the episode, but um he's they're doing like a charity auction and stuff like that. He's a nice dude. So, I hope the game does really well for him and um, I'm going to try to help him out by picking up an ish, a uh, box of it myself. Box of it? How do you picking it up myself? <laughs> With your hand art. Picking yes. up a yes. copy of the game yourself. Yes. <laughs> and, and can I say that I'm really most excited for this Friday because the governor, I guess, apparently made a speech today that he's going to allow movie theaters to reopen. Ooh. Yes, I, I go to the movie. That is one of, that is one of the things I missed the most. What movie will actually be out on Friday? Probably nothing. What's up? I, yes, yes, please stay fucking six feet away from me. That 
let's let's continue that because my misophonia or whatever um does so much better with people further away from me um no i'm really stoked about that being on furlough um there are a lot of times man during the day that i'm just like i just want to go sit in a theater i miss that too Mm -hmm. i read some disparaging news the other day about amc theaters um talking about the they're not sure if they're going to survive, but man, I nothing will ever replace the theater experience for me, Rob. I'm sure you mm-hmm. you share that sentiment. I, I love the movie theater. Um, so do I, man. And uh, that's great. I hadn't heard that news, so that's that's really awesome. I'm, did, I'm looking forward. Did to you that. hear that AMC was pissed off at Universal for releasing Trolls? They are, yeah. but and and they were like, we're not going to run any more Universal movies, and and Universal's like, okay, that's just like <laughs> there's there's a bunch of other companies out there that will. Yeah, you Ooh, know, there's... I I think that's going to blow over as quickly as Sony saying they weren't going to allow Marvel to uh, to have Spider Man in the the expanded universe. I don't. That's mm. that's a non story to me, really. Yeah, I don't think that'll last because this. Well, if you decide, this isn't going to last forever. You know, if you decide to go to the movies, mm-hmm. the op- the options that are going to be available on Friday are the Fox Hunter. Uh, which I don't know what that's about. Becky, which I also don't know what that's about. Mm-mm. Dreamland, coincidentally, Hell I don't know yes. what that one's about. Hell yeah. Do I know all you Dreamland need to know is Henry Rollins is in Dreamland. Oh yeah, he that's is on the poster too. all you need to know. Yeah, that one might be good. Uh, something called Sex and the Future, which very much looks like a porn movie, but not one of the good ones. It definitely looks like <laughs> it looks like the um, yeah, USA Network late at night porn movies, or Cinemax. Um, when misfits bear, oh, okay. Let's see what this movie sounds like. Uh, when misfits Barry and Evan design their ideal woman as a robot, they realize a fortune could be made if they had the money to mass produce their prototype. That's a wealthy weird prince soon. I know, basically. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say that's weird science. Or the movie we're going to review today, depending on how it ends. A wealthy prince soon finds out about their invention, and the three hatch a plan to rule the world. Um, so that's a thing. Uh. If you actually have Fathom events in your theater, we do have the Shining 80th, uh, 40th anniversary, as well as uh, Made in Bangladesh, which, by the way... That sounds uh, like porn also. Uh, and AID. Yeah, yeah, definitely not that spelling of it. <laughs> wow, if you actually look at their tagline, that makes what you just said even more wrong. Uh, women fighting for human dignity. <laughs> it's a... There you go. Yeah. Oh boy. We uh. We, since we only have our two topics today, we're we're going a little long on the early stuff, and I I sent it out to you, the guys earlier. They finally released like a map on our hosting for our podcast, and it's very interesting to see where people are listening to the podcast. We are sorry to all know, of our listeners in Bangladesh. Yeah, we are. Yeah. We I don't know if we have any listeners in Bangladesh specifically, but. Uh, obviously, the most most listeners in America, but um, the next being Canada, which makes sense. But the next up was Spain, which I was very surprised really? about. Yeah, uh, España. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we had a lot of Spain, a lot in Spain, and then um, where was the other one? Oh, uh, where was the other one? I'm trying to find the map again. This is great radio. Oh, here we go. Okay, uh, India one. Yeah, so it's weird seeing where people are listening to us, and there, there's a cool little part of it. Yeah, it's 
it kind of would be interesting if we find out that people are trying to learn how to speak English by listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be <laughs> that a would bad be idea. a mistake. <laughs> you don't want to do that. No. <laughs> Farts sound the same in any, any language. That is yeah. that is true. So, okay, well, well, let's keep the show going here, Rob. Well, Jimmy, I know that you were talking about being furloughed. Yes, sir. And and we've all had to learn how to do things in this new environment that we call quarantine. And it appears as though some people have taken it way too far. So that means yep. it's time for our segment of WTF. Welcome to Florida. Yes, sir. From the great state that uh, the three of us live in comes the news that makes us uh, laugh, cry, and cringe. It is. And today is a nice lighthearted story. It is not about any one in particular person. It's more about a group of people. (laughs) And it's a group of people that are normally very well put together. But apparently, in Florida... A judge has been having trouble with lawyers who are showing up for Zoom meetings in court. Let's say inappropriately attired. And he has had to beg lawyers or put out a notice saying, please, please, when you show up for Zoom meetings in court, get dressed and get out of bed while appearing in court hearings <laughs> because apparently they've got, they've got guys who are showing up with no shirt on. They had one lady who did it from her. She was very obviously still in bed, had the covers pulled up. Um, there was one lady, I guess that was in a bathing suit and had, and threw a cover up on just to cover her bathing suit. But they very obviously knew that she was sitting out by the pool it's like it's like really i mean the the standards for your job don't go down just because you're not there physically in the office do they i mean how how does that work i mean what's do you still need to be somewhat professional if you're still performing your job even if it's from home (laughs) first of all i wear clothes first of all this judge you know damn well he's freeballing it underneath his robes He's like, yeah, I'm going to tell these lawyers what how. As he's but he's got the robes naked. on. That's but the he's point. got the robes on because let's be honest, I would yeah. I'm not I mean, criticizing robe, the judge. But a robe is a form of clothing. What true, if he's Scottish? True. It's still a form of clothing. Yeah, yeah, he's wearing clothes. And, and in it, the it letter, is, he he said it's remarkable how many attorneys appear inappropriately on camera. Some lawyers have no concern for ill grooming in recent weeks as they've worked from home <laughs> amid the corona coronavirus yeah. pandemic. Mm-hmm. He said one male lawyer appealed, appeared shirtless and one female attorney attorney appeared still in bed, still under the covers. And he but, not made, shir- but not shirtless, unfortunately. And he makes a note that says, and putting a beach cover up won't cover up your poolside in a bathing suit. So please, if you don't mind, <laughs> Let's treat court hearings as court hearings, whether Zooming or not. 
Can you imagine if you and I haven't, but I I know plenty of people have. Maybe you guys have one of those teledocs where you have yes. to do a, a like a FaceTime video and be like, "Hey, doc, look at this." Oh, Can yeah. you imagine if they're just my like hospital sitting at the Robo beach? Doc. I'd be yeah. mad. It, it, come on, yeah. I've got this You're rash. Like, yeah. Uh, so uh, we, we of course do have we have at least one lawyer that listens to us that we know of for sure. Yes, we do. Does he get dressed when he does Zoom hearings? Yeah, I don't. Know. I wonder if he, wonder... he does not get dressed. Uh, he did tell me that he was wearing his finest uh, courtroom speedo. Excellent. So, well, yeah. but see, the thing is, is if you're on Zoom and you're in a speedo, but nobody ever sees it, nobody cares. At sure. least put on a friggin' shirt. Be somewhat presentable. Yeah. There was someone the other day, I forget who it was. Someone someone in some sort of power, some, one of my bosses that was wearing, very clearly was wearing um, a, uh, a sport jacket, a nice shirt, and umbros. But the camera was definitely seeing the umbros. I forget eh. who. Whoops. Yeah. Tactical error. Yeah. Hey, well, as, as people were staying at home for long periods of time, they're finally like you I've noticed that just got to the point where at first it was like, okay, I still need to wake up early and do this stuff. And then now it's just like, well, maybe one more episode of Star Star Trek discovery or I'm doing Deep space nine. Yeah. Yeah. See, it's like, yeah, I don't have to drive to work tomorrow. So I can but. sleep in an extra 20 minutes. We'll, we'll, we'll knock this episode out. Yeah, exactly. My boss, uh, I guess for latency purposes, um, started muting the video for everyone. So I'm like, cool. <laughs> I don't even have to make the effort. I'm just kidding. I wear clothes at least. Which is good because you do it here too. Okay, let's let's move on to our topics. Topics. I did not actually put any notes down about this somehow. I thought I did, but I don't I guess I did not. Oh, wait, you did. Thank you. Thank you, Jimmy. Yes, sir. You're welcome. So what I started do we have I think I, uh, We got to talk about the rise of the synths. Yes, we talked about it I last have, week. Yeah, go ahead, Jimmy. You you actually wrote it. You get the you get to do the uh, honors. Sure. The, uh, it, Jimmy. the documentary that I know Greg and myself have been uh, waiting for for quite a long time. It seems like it's been in production, crowdfunded for years. Uh, finally came out um, just last week, directed by Ivan Castell and narrated by John Carpenter, kind of. It is mm-hmm. Rise of the Sense, as we said earlier, uh, currently available on Vimeo On Demand, which is a thing, I guess, starring your like synthwave artist's Scandroid, Mechamico, Ghost, The Midnight, Carpenter Brute, Electric Youth, College, and Synthwriter? Ghost. Yeah, I didn't know who some of them were because when they first, like, obviously do Ghost slash Ghost. Mm-hmm. But um, there's a couple people. Eddie Stallone is in there. He's one of my favorites. The, um, the documentary is scored by the UK's Ogre who I am also a fan of, or Augur. Nerds! Or, or Ogre. <laughs> Not that Ogre. 
That kind of looks like him. Beard, kind of crazy hair. <laughs> um, he does a little bit. And yeah, there's uh, one. I wonder if I wonder if that was the guy. There was one guy. He was he was a little more political. He was he was American, and he had glasses. He was like, and I didn't know who that was, but he was in there a lot. I wish I remember. I wish I could. As I Laser mentioned, to Jim, so I. He was no, like was, in a record store, and he had a hat on. No, not it was. He had like reddish brown hair. I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna look it up. See if it was later. Yeah, you go ahead, Lisa. and I'll talk about the uh, the documentary yeah, do real it. quick. Uh, yeah. It's a documentary documentary film um, that explores the origins and growth of the electronic music genre known as synthwave. Gosh, I almost forgot. Gunship is also in there. Perturbator, he has quite the part. Uh, yes, the music genre known as synthwave, charting its rise in popularity from the underground online music scene, aka MySpace. Yeah. I guess. That was Which was really part. weird to hear them talk about. They're like, oh, we it started in some group on MySpace. Like, what? Yeah, people did that. <laughs> it gave me pause too. The one that it was so weird seeing. Well, let's let's talk about it first, then we'll get into like the individual. Yeah. People. So you said that was Laserhawk. It was not Laserhawk. Um, so this is the music you hear at the beginning of our show. We've talked about it a lot. If you don't know what synth is, of course, uh, I don't know where you've been because we talked about it a whole bunch, and it has a pretty good following. Miami the, Nights, nineteen eighty four. I have to. I have to look. Yeah. Um. It has. It has a, a good following. Even the people that don't necessarily run, love it, and run out and buy it, still find it enjoyable. I mean, we've watched recent movies where even where Rob's like, oh, "I really like the soundtrack." And we're like, "Yeah, that was basically synthwave." Um. Pretty so, much. Yeah. Or you yeah, know, we play it. We go ahead. Well, we played it for our students, and almost every student that heard was like, "Oh, this is awesome! What is this?" Or who so, is this? And I, yeah. I love doing that. I love listening to music and people are like, who is this? And I'm like, oh, yes, let me tell you my secrets. Yeah. So this documentary came out and I was I was really intrigued. But like, there's a lot you can say about Synthwave. And most of the time, people will say it's, you know, it's very 80s referenced, uh, but it's still modern or it's, you know, I've, I always like the people to say it's like, sounds like a movie soundtrack or it's, it's music for a, a future that hasn't happened or didn't happen. And that's how we've always kind of described it. And then this documentary comes out and I watch it and that's how they're describing it too. I'm like, Oh, yeah. okay. Or well, if the eighties kind of were, page. if the eighties were cooler than they actually were. Yeah. Where everyone has a DeLorean. Yeah. Basically. That travels through time. Now, what's interesting is a lot of these guys, they, they have a very big following, but they're still pretty down to earth. And they're still, in some ways, just kind of 80s nerds and some basically us. And when you go to the shows, there's not a lot of distance between you and the musicians, which I thought was... So it was interesting seeing them on a screen talk because we've met a lot of these guys. Did you find that weird? Like when when we were talking to like, or when Dance with the Dead was on, like yeah. they were like the nicest dudes. Yeah, it's super nice. Um, I I got a, a picture with them while they were uh, limbering up for their show, um, yeah. or even uh, seeing Ghost 
up there um sitting there with his mask on his hands were all painted black but i i i feel like i know like a dirty little secret or something because i was standing right next to him mm-hmm. um when but he, he, was, he has revealed his face at this point most of his he has now been. yeah yeah he has but um i love him like in this like suburban looking house in like what scar uh, scottsdale arizona or something with like all of his props sitting behind him so it's like this nice little house you could very clearly kind of see through the window of this like of this beautiful sunny day and there's like a, fl- a banner with an upside down cross like over his right shoulder <laughs> I'm like, okay yeah that's and very 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 interesting conversations with these guys which i liked yeah with most of them yeah uh, there, there were a couple that were like, "Okay, whatever, shut up." Like, who was that? Uh, yeah. There was a a moment where um, Electric Youth were talking. Okay, yeah, yeah. They were kind of like the the young man in the group was like, "Oh, if if people want to compare us to '80s music, like it's not really the point, but you know." I'm completely misquoting him, but that I, was like, I was like, dude, you're named after a fucking Debbie Gibson song. Like, don't <laughs> even. Rob, or... you, you might. Did you ever see the movie Drive? <laughs> no, no, I don't. Okay, because so. Electric Youth sort of started this whole thing, but didn't mean to start this whole thing because one of their songs is played. Uh, it's called Real Hero or something along those lines, which kind of everyone knows that they've seen that movie. Yeah. And because that movie is known for being synth-y, they kind of got rolled into it. Because if you bought the soundtrack for the synth, it's synth enough. And they're kind of, like, distancing themselves from it. Except for the fact that, like, it's the fans of that movie that made them money. So it was it was borderline annoying, that part. Yeah, it was like, okay. And then a little bit. But again, you're named after a Debbie Gibson album. Like, don't don't say that your influences don't lie in that. But anyway, um, and then also Scandroid. You know, uh, man, um, it's it's hip to hate on hair metal, right? So every every you, you talk to some metalheads, or you talk to you know. It, anybody about metal and they're just like, Oh man, I wish hair metal never happened or let's not talk about the eighties metal. And you know what I was watching today? I was watching Judas priest videos. You know what Judas priest was? They were a hair metal band Mm -hmm. before Rob Halford lost all his hair. Even, I mean, dude, I, I must've listened to turbo lover by Judas Priest like 80 times today and watch the video an equal amount because um, it was just the mood I woke up in. But these dudes are <laughs> leather and they're studded and their hair's all teased and they're giving sassy looks to the camera. And I'm like, you can't pretend that shit didn't happen. A lot of good shit came out of that era. And don't tell me. And great musicians. Yeah. And don't tell me, Clayton, that your hair grows like that. Mr. <laughs> Big Red Mohawk guy. He's got the he's got that reverse mohawk that's kind of like it's the shape of like the back of a shoe but going forward, you know, like kind of goes up and it's got red. 
But well, yeah, yeah, he said like he talks about what's funny that you picked that part out because when I was watching it on my regular TV, I was like, I think there's supposed to be captions on this, but you know, usually if you watch something with captions, if they're not on, but the person is speaking in French, I'm looking at you, perturbator. Uh, you can they still put the captions on. It's just like the hard of hearing captions that go away, but it wasn't. So I was like, at which point I stopped it, but I couldn't play it again without starting over. So I'm just like, okay, so that was the part I it ended up stopping on. So I actually got to hear him say it twice because he was talking about how grunge basically wiped hair metal clean, thankfully, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And as a grunge fan, uh, that's I was also a hair metal fan. <laughs> you know, just, so I was like, that's not really. You know, it was it was a, it was the opposite of hair metal, but they didn't set out to wipe hair metal away. It was just a group of people that wanted something different. And it, the the music industry wiped everything else away. Yeah. The music style basically ran its course and then everybody moved on to something else. As, as it happens. I mean that Mm -hmm. like, look at, I don't know. That shit annoys me so bad. Didn't didn't like alternative wipe grunge away or something or didn't alternative grunge, replace grunge or grunge opened up the door for alternative and then it became very corporate like grunge was technically all independent sub pop albums and then the record labels realized oh crap we can make a lot of money on this so you start off with bands like Nirvana Pearl Jam Screaming Tree Soundgarden all those bands and then they're like well let's sign this band called Bush they sound a lot like these guys because they have deep voices. And it kind of, it diluted it to the point of where, I mean, you can still find it on regular rock radio. It's not on classic rock radio. Well, it is. And but. then you got Nickelback. Yeah, that's that's basically cor- corporate rock, which, you know, then eventually, <laughs> and then it bounced the other way, which is why, uh, you know, eventually stuff like uh, The Prodigy and and um, other electronic type bands came. You know, the music industry is all ba- rebounding and bouncing back and forth you know you ended up right yeah, after it all comes uh, in cycles just like just like anything i mean yeah like uh right yeah. after the grunge and independent stuff everything was this really produced pop music like justin timberlake or nsync or britney spears so so it's interesting like that and of course people will usually hold on to whatever they like and hate everything else yeah there there's such a the i i mean the the interviews couldn't couldn't have gone from one you know, extreme to another, uh, more than they do in this. You have DJ 10, the founder of new retro wave, uh, who we play a DJ 10 track, DJ 10 track at the beginning of every episode. It's our intro and outro. Um, 10 embraces the popularity that it's received. Uh, I was in express the other day and a song came on and I was like, holy shit. Who is this? Uh, it's it was blinding lights by the weekend. Yep, I love that song. That song is amazing, dude, and it's totally. I listened to that song the like four times I've driven in the past three months. I've had to put it on. It, it's totally what you would consider to be synthwave. It's synth driven. There's you know it's 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 very cool. It's it's a a, a track that makes you want to drive faster. And I'm going to use the because drive is referenced so much in this movie. Um, Kavinsky yeah. being the kind of conduit, I guess, for, for Synthwave becoming really popular. And then you have um, Electric Youth, who are very kind of almost pretentious at times. 
you know, oh, well, you can say that we're synthwave, but that's not really what we're trying to do. And it's just like, you, you just don't get it. I'm yeah. I'm sorry, but you're named after a Debbie Gibson album. I know I keep saying that, but anyway, and then you've got somebody like 80 Stallone, who is fucking hilarious. In this, I don't, I don't remember which one he is. He's the he's a British guy. He, they always seem to interview him at night, and he's like, he's like, dude, I'm old. Like, I just, I just play stuff. He's just really funny. He said some stuff in there. I can't remember exactly right now, but he's Age Stallone did probably one of my favorite synthwave tracks. That's. Mm-hmm. He's the one who talks about, yeah, well, you got people online, you go on, you post a song, and they're like, oh, well, this isn't synthwave. This is a, this is neo, neo futuristic dub jungle. Uh, yes, uh, yeah. Urban pop. <laughs> and he's just like, fucking whatever, man. <laughs> you know? And he's just so funny because he's just like obviously over 40. And he's like, I don't, he's like, he's like, I, he can't be bothered. I don't care. Nah, and, I'll put out my music, whatever. Yeah, and and you know one of the I, I when I say that John Carpenter kind of narrated this, he doesn't really give a blow by blow. Um, he's just sitting there and he's like, "Well, they they asked me to be on this tape," uh, which I thought was super cute, old guy. Um, I'm on this tape because somebody asked me to. He's like, "Yeah," he's like, "A lot of people credit me with." you know, doing this. And the only reason I did it, he's like, I tried to make good music. I tried to make good films. I started doing this all by myself. I couldn't afford to have somebody score my film. So I had to do it myself. It's like, I don't think anybody should be listening to, to what old guys like me think is cool. And then, uh, you know, he, he says he's just one of the most like, one of the coolest John Carpenter things at the at the end of the documentary where he's talking about, you know, um, it's uh, it's bad to sell out. It's bad to, to sell your soul to the to corporations and everything. But there's nothing wrong with taking their fucking money. And I'm just like, yes, John Carpenter. Uh, still awesome. He's like like 70 something years old. And when I saw that John Carpenter, when I saw John Carpenter was on there, mm-hmm. I feel I like I knew added late. Well, I felt like, like as soon as I heard it, I'm like, I just got this feeling of like seeing him like from the side view, sitting at a desk, not facing the camera, illuminated in a weird colored light. And that's exactly what it was. <laughs> it was <laughs> talking into a little microphone on a, a little, uh, Tape recorder, Nagra, yeah, tape recorder in, thing. Interrogation rooms in 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 eighties cop movies, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, another one of my my favorite parts of this, aside from John Carpenter, aside from eighties Stallone, uh, I think Perturbator gave one of the most um, impassioned kind of interviews. And uh, Gunship, I'm going to talk shit about here a little bit because who picked that setting? Where were they? Which one? They were at a campfire. Oh yeah, that yep, yep. Okay. This is yeah, like, see, like I cuz I didn't have the captions on, I didn't know who some of the bands were. That was Gunship the three of them. Um 
but they they said one of the the coolest things Dan Haig said uh man when we're when we're doing stuff and we're talking about this music we're not talking about oh add some more arpeggiator to that add some more reverb to that he's saying no no add some more add some more terminator to that yeah, it needs to sound a little more goonies it needs to sound yeah exactly and i was just like yeah dude they get it Mm-hmm. I thought the settings were actually very interesting. I thought that was, all of the ones. It was really funny because, you know, they're probably like, I don't know, what the fuck? Get the three of us together and roast marshmallows or whatever. Pretty funny. <laughs> like, like some of the settings were crazy because, like, all of the ones in Europe, like, had this very, like, Euro- the, all of their settings look so European. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like these, like, block apartment tenements with, like, you know, light at night and they're sitting on the roof. Or there's one that, the one where they were walking next to the river and it re- it reminded me of the back entrance into Epcot Rob, since you didn't see it. Okay. You know, like when you go in um, from, from boardwalk, yeah. like, it was like that, but instead of on the other side of the trees being like, you know, France or whatever, it's, it's actual France, like these, you know, big square tenement buildings. And I was like, it was so familiar and it was exactly where I thought these guys would be interviewed. And like all the rest of them were in some giant empty warehouse or studio apartment. Uh, Electric Youth was in a uh, was in a theater. You were in a yeah. theater. Yes, a uh, an emptied out theater. But we're making fun of it. But it was actually a very interesting documentary. I kind of want to buy it. I, um, I definitely I, would. Uh, in a package mm-hmm. that comes with the soundtrack. I mean, uh, there there's a soundtrack and there's a score because you can't have. You can't talk to the artists without including some of their tracks, and a lot of uh, a lot of these guys did exclusive tracks for this. And Ogre scores it. Ogre's really good, anyway. So, um, definitely, in my opinion, worth checking out. Um, if you're a fan of action films from the '80s, if you're a fan from John, of, a fan of John Carpenter or any of the artists that we mentioned, you'll find it interesting. Uh, if you don't know any of those names. Uh, including John Carpenter, you're going to sit there and go, what the fuck is this? Uh, yeah. uh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, you that, can check it out on yeah. on the, the riseofthesynths.com. I don't know if people can actually just watch it. I have been looking while we've been recording, and there is it is currently not available to watch. Yeah. Um, it, has not, it has not been released to the general public yet. It's only been released to the people that donated money, and it was on the Vimeo thing only for 20, only for this weekend. So definitely keep an eye out for it. If you're interested in what we're talking about and uh, it's definitely worth a look. If you are looking for something that's, you know, oh, I kind of like that music, uh, you know, for the artistic process and stuff. And now yeah. I want to buy the soundtrack. The soundtrack is great. Like you said, I cleaned yeah, my house to it. Super good. Cool. Okay. Well, uh, speaking of, Synthetic things rising. Synthetic things rising. You can take that, that and run. With, you can take that and run with it, Rob. That you can, will take us. Right, oh my god! <laughs> what was that? That Jimmy has just showed the us an offensive picture. Thing rising. Yeah, that, wow. that picture on his phone is wow. why. Yeah, we're gonna move on and talk about the 1986 movie Deadly Friend, directed by Yes. That Wes Craven. Yep, that one. It was starred or it was it was released in on October 10th of 1986. 
Um, I didn't find any information on what the actual budget was, but I do know that opening weekend it made like three point eight million dollars, and then ended up uh, ten million dollar budget. I... It was a ten million dollar budget, so it didn't even make its money back Where because it money made a... uh, the well, real the actual robot that they built. Yeah, they actually built that fucking robot. Um, they made like three point eight million opening weekend, and I think they ended up grossing like eight point nine and change. So they didn't they didn't make their money back. But this movie stars uh Matthew Labierto? Labierto? Uh, anyway, that, that Christy guy. Swanson, Christy Swanson, Michael Sherritt, Ann Tuomi, and and Ramsey. Jesus, was this lady ever young? No. <laughs> it's like everything I think I've ever seen her in. She plays the crotchety old lady. For those who don't know, Anne Ramsey was Mama in Throw Mama from the Train. She was also Mama in The Goonies. So I, yeah, and and I I think Greg actually looked up a picture of her when she was young. She wasn't bad looking when she was young. Yeah, I'm like she didn't man. become famous until she was much older. But is that a cave painting? <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Yeah, it was a black and white picture from like from like 1895 or something. I think. <laughs> Let's just put it this way. Rob was aroused, but he felt very uncomfortable about being aroused. Oh, yeah, because I was like, I, I know where where this went. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I really the, wish that picture wasn't right there on his phone. <laughs> <laughs> so the synopsis of this movie about. is, is after his friend is killed by her abusive father, the new kid in town attempts to save her by implanting robotic microchips into her brain. Which is how science works. Uh, totally totally how science works there's nothing fishy there at all yeah so what i mean i'll give my thoughts after you guys what what did you guys think i am always intrigued about technology-based movies made a very long time ago because a lot of them shoot for the stars and looking at them today you're like Wow. One, it was brave of them for, for them to try to make this movie back in 1986 or technically probably 1985 when they actually made it. Uh-huh. And then of course, then of course you're going to be like, well, you know, it looks like garbage, but let's compare it to what else was around out around then. And you're like, okay, does it match up? Is it worse? Is it better? So that's the first thing I, whenever I watch a movie about, about the future, but it was made in the past. And I never heard of this. I was, I was very intrigued. I, like when you mm-hmm. hear the name Deadly Friend, I thought it was going to be like a stalker movie or something. Yeah. And then there were, like, so I knew literally nothing about it until I did the search and hit play mm-hmm. on what Amazon Prime. Yeah. And I was like, wait, there's a robot in this? <laughs> and yeah. I, and I was like, <laughs> like, wait a second. Because I saw Christy, like the only thing I really saw was that Christy Swanson was in it. Okay. Wait, there's a robot? Um, so it was interesting. It was fun. Uh, it had some moments of ridiculousness, and uh, then I was like, "Wait, what's Craven?" So, like, there was a lot spinning around as I watched it. Yeah, exactly my Good thoughts. Um, wait, wait, that Wes Craven? Mm-hmm. Like, didn't he? What? Like, we'll get into that a little bit, I guess. But movie was fun. It definitely had its moments. Like Greg said, it definitely had Christy mm-hmm. Swanson in it. Um, in the worst wardrobe in the history of 
Christy Swanson movies. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll give Mom you that. Beans and all. Um, Granted, she was only 16 at the time, so. This movie kind of seemed like – what I wrote down in, in the notes that I have was if this – if I found out that this movie came out before Terminator or, you know, before some of other those other, other movies, I would have been more impressed. But finding out that this came out after Terminator, this came out after Nightmare on Elm Street, I – I wasn't as impressed, um, but uh, there was a kill in this movie that I, I that always shows up in some of the it, it, like the most ridiculous kills from movies ever list. And uh, there's a, a, a and it totally belongs there. Oh, oh yeah, and it was. <laughs> I, I got to tell <laughs> totally. you my my play by play for that when we get to it. But um, fun movie. I, I don't regret uh, watching it. Um, definitely not the best Wes Craven movie. And I, I believe you'll, you'll Obviously. have some thoughts on that as well. Yeah. So for me, this movie was better than I expected. Um, I didn't really remember a ton from the first time I saw this movie. But there were parts that I definitely remembered, such as the basketball scene. Um, definitely remembered that. And, and I, I kept calling him throughout the movie. I'm like, he's, he's a total nerd necromancer. Yep. Absolutely. And, and holy shit, did he come unglued when she died? Like he, he's this put together, like nerd techie guy. Who's like, you know, graduated from figuring out how high school earlier was teaching in college yeah, instead of going to high yeah, school. And he's like, he's like super together. And when, yeah. when he, when she dies, his reasoning goes completely to shit. He can't like, do anything. Like, it, it does. What it, just happened? Yeah. I mean that it, it may be the victim of editing, but it, I, I was like, holy shit. He's only known her for like two days, but no, they had like pictures together and they didn't, Become really close. I'm yeah, well, sure. and, yeah. and there were there were certain things that they that they tried to show you that they had been together for or that they had been hanging out for a while because they spent Halloween together. She actually came over to his house for Thanksgiving. Um, they met in the summer, so it had been a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's give and, a rundown for the people that have never seen this, real quick. So, dude moves to a new town, mm-hmm. has a very cute neighbor named Samantha, who of course Christy Swanson. Uh, she has a, has a robot named BB has a robot. He has a yellow robot named BB. That's like this big kind of, but he looks like a smaller toy robot that you used to get back in the day, but a big version, like about the size of like Johnny five or something. Uh, no, he's smaller than Johnny five. He, he, he basically comes up to about your thigh or your waist. Yeah. So you got that. Uh, Samantha, she's got an abusive alcoholic father mm-hmm. and, so she doesn't sneak out of the house so much as just waits for him to pass out and kind of has this friendship with this this guy in the new town. And, of course, another guy because there's always got to be like the third wheel dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's basically kind of the introduction to the movie. You know, it's that very – as I always seem to notice whenever someone moves to a new town, there's always like that scene where they're like the one sibling loves the house or the mom is like, it's okay. You know, we got this new house. You'll, you'll get used to it, and then, like, the very next day, everything is already unpacked in the house. And I'm mm-hmm. like, and it makes me feel like a complete 
like lazy ass loser when I'm like, I've lived in my house for 10 years and I still have a box that I haven't unpacked in my office. <laughs> Damn it. But yeah. it's got that kind of opening meets the cute girl. Um, and then sh- sh- should we talk about the end of the girl now? Um, or do you have other stuff first? Well, I was going to say we could, we could talk a little bit about the, the setup and stuff. Cause it, the, it's, it's interesting what they do with, with uh bb the robot in the beginning of the movie because Mm -hmm. it really seems like bb kind of has his own like personality and that's one of the things that they talk about is he's actually developed he's developed an ai that learns and actually kind of develops its own feelings and thoughts and processes and whatnot and it's protected Um, yeah yeah and and I I strained a lot during the first part of the movie because BB does a lot of mumbling in the movie, yeah. and I and you think he you think you can kind of make out words here and there that he's saying, and you're like, what what did he, what did he say? What did he say? And I I just I just couldn't get anything. The only BB. thing I ever got from him was BB. Yeah, a lot of like weird, like little alien creature grunting, like him and the little monster from cat's eye spoke the same language. I think yeah, very possibly, very yeah. possibly. Die human. Also, Wait, what did you say? It, interestingly enough, um, I know this was later, but I'll mention it here since we're talking about it. You know, who did his voice, right? Who did BB's voice? Yeah. Uh, Michael Landon. It, it was not Michael Landon. <laughs> it was in fact, Charles Fleischer. Fleischer, mm-hmm. yeah. I know that name. Why do I know who, that name? Who is also known as the voice of Roger Rabbit. Oh. Yeah. I'm not going to do a Roger Rabbit impression. No, I... please don't. Please, Eddie. That's good. That's pretty good. <laughs> he did it anyway. Yeah, I did it. And it wasn't bad. So... The and and I really I I gotta admit it it was kind of cheesy but I liked what they did when they when they would switch to like the eight bit view showing you like the world through BB's eyes. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? I thought that was actually kind of cool. And you knew that I, like trying to get that eight bit view processed was probably the other part of the budget. Yeah, that yeah. was probably the like six million dollars of the ten million dollar budget. Yeah. That was but, very much, you know, a big part where I was like, oh, "I've already seen this in Terminator." <laughs> and and BB, you know, the he fits into the little clique of the three kids and everything, and and they all have a good time, and you know, they get closer, and and eventually we have we have an incident. So. Since you were talking about them hanging out, they, they there is a bullying incident as well that happens. Oh, yes. And I know I'm looking way too much into this, just some, some cheesy 80s movie, but I thought it was very, like, it was interestingly framed where, like, they're walking down the side street with the robot, you know, this guy and his buddy or whatever, and you see these kids on, like, motorcycles off in the distance, and they drive by, and then they, like, and they seemed, like, way more in frame than they should have been. I'm like, what, what? That's weird. It seems like another movie is right over there. <laughs> and then, because they like go off the screen and then they come back on the screen. And I'm like, oh, okay. So these are the bullies. So, of course, they decide that like one guy hops off his bike and is like smacking the robot and stuff. And I really feel like these guys look like gearheads and that they would be way more impressed with the robot and would be like, they would be more willing to steal it than mess with it. But also, they, if you looked at them, each one of them, as I mentioned while we were watching it, had their own version of like perfect 80s hair. 
Like one of them looked like the the rebel boyfriend from like Facts of Life, and one of them had like the Patrick Swayze. I kind of felt like they they looked like the dudes from the movie Airheads. Yeah, the band guys. One of them had the shaved sides, and of course mm-hmm. he had the the earring that was actually a feather, for whatever reason. It's like, oh, okay, so you have your typical like eighties warriors DC hoodlum uh, street gang roaming the city. So yeah, so there's like this hoodlum thing, and that's kind of where you get the the feeling what you said, Rob, where you're talking about like the BB's got like his own protective mm-hmm. street because he grabs the one dude uh, by the testicle. Yeah, it kind of by the lifts nuts. him above the, the ground for a little while by his testicles. Um, uh, so anyway, now the actual sad moment where this goes from being fun little love story to something different, Rob. Well, they they decide that they want to basically play a Halloween prank on the crotchety old lady who lives across the street who basically stole her basketball early in the movie. And, you know, he, he makes an offhand comment that BB could just crack the, the padlock that's on the gate outside. And they're like, well, have BB do it. So BB cracks the padlock. You know, he, he tries every combination and opens the gate and they go in to try and play a prank on, on the old lady. So they, they get the gate open and the kids go to like hide, on the side of the house because they're doing like ding dong ditch or something. And he tells BB to, to wait there behind the hedges. Well, the door opens and she comes out and she's like, Hey, you kids get off of my lawn. And BB gets mad and starts trying to protect them. And she unloads like three rounds from her shotgun into BB and just blows him to shit. Which the only person, like, I'm pretty sure that every movie I've ever seen her in, she has a shotgun. So her I, agent, I think it's entirely possible. About right. Her agent must represent her and her shotgun. Yep, she comes with one. It's part of the contract. Yeah. Part of the deal. Package deal. That's what I'm trying to say. Yep. And she looks very pleased with herself that she has destroyed this boy's robot. And, and he is absolutely devastated. Well, shortly after this, we get not one, but two major losses in this movie. Greg? Well, BB, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then Christy Swanson uh, basically gets uh, beaten up by her father again because of this whole situation. And, of course, they're tussling at the top of the stairs, and she he hits her and she falls down the stairs, and it kills her. Um, well, it basically puts her in the hospital, and then she dies. But the this is where I was going to talk about the stairs, because... Were people in the 80s, like, way more fragile? Because there's a lot of people that die falling down the stairs in 80s movies. You broke your ass. I, fall, I can tell you, I've, I've fallen down the stairs quite a few times, and I'm still standing. Am I invincible, Rob? Am I a Terminator? No. No, you are not. You are not. Maybe I am a Terminator. I just don't know it yet. I, should... I watched you walk around after you broke yep. your ass. You are not a Terminator. Mm-hmm. That hurt. <laughs> I hurt, actually. Yeah, I'm sure it did. It looked like pre- it did. It looked like it did. I'm pretty sure I've got a chip of my tailbone still floating around in there. You broke your ass. For the record, I broke my ass because the stair broke, not because I slipped. The other mm-hmm. part, the I, I broke my ass cheek because I slipped. Um, but bro- yeah. So either way, that's what I was watching. That I was like, yeah, this killed her. Puh. 
every night when I prepare for the podcast or every time we prepare for the podcast, I always come up here to do some cleaning out of the files and stuff. And then I finish a glass of water and I have to run downstairs before I hit record again to like get more water. And I'm always scared. I'm going to fall down the stairs and you guys are going to be like, what the hell happened to him? Cause I'm laying in a heap at the bottom of the stairs. We'll be like that son of a bitch. He's late again. What is going on? You'll be recording and just hear me in the, in the background. Uh, uh, I'm very badly bruised. I got better. <laughs> so yeah. So she gets basically knocked out. She hits her head pretty hard on the wall at the bottom of the stairs. And she ends up in the hospital. Um, of course the father covers for it. And this is the least fun part of the movie because of course yeah. it does deal with, um, you know, abuse and alcoholism and all that. Uh, and yeah, when you're like, oh, this movie's so fun, especially the part where the father kills his own daughter. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, but right. but they, of course, the, the, the girl's in the hospital and the father is pushing to have her taken off life support early. Yeah. I'm guessing so she doesn't talk. I guess. That's, you know, that's what I would do, of course. I'm like, really? Um, but this is where the plot takes a turn because our, our heroes decide to keep her alive somehow. Or yeah. basically. Jimmy, you want to elaborate on that for us? With science. Yeah, well... What's his name? Ralph? And his, and his buddy go in there. It should be. Yeah, sure, it is, is now. Well, they go in and uh, they're, they have this whole elaborate plan using parts of BB to uh, go in there and... Mission Mission Impossible, this shit, turn off the power, but it's okay because everything's on backup generators anyway. And they're going to take um, Paul. Yes, that's what I said. That's exactly <laughs> what I said. His name is Paul. Um, but, but he goes by Ralph. And they're going to, just because. While she's still on life support, they're going to, I guess, transport her, take her out of the hospital to keep her alive. But. The father and his wishes uh, succeeds, and uh, the plan goes awry when she's taken off life support two minutes early. So they are uh, they are left to um, either give up and realize what a bad idea their plan is, or take her dead body. Push through. And uh, and take her to a lab and stick uh, BB's brain into hers. And and what we what we did mention was that earlier in the show he he had he's been working with like human anatomy and he's been mapping the pathways of the mm -hmm. brain. So the idea is is that he can take the computer chip and get it to stimulate her brain and basically reanimate her body and bring her back. So he implants this chip and but has effectively planted BB yes. into her yep. brain. So there's there's some 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 combat there between the personality of BB and the personality of Sam and and there's some confusion and she's obviously learning to walk again or BB's learning to walk or Whatever, because a lot of it seems like BB has taken over. She walks around with her hands in these like lobster claws because BB had like had like uh, pincher, pincer yeah, hands. Yeah, he sure did. Which I liked. Which I actually liked because that was one of those things where because they they focused on the lobster claw hands 
looks like one of those little toys that kids get where you squeeze it and the little hands close, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. the little claw closes. And they focused on it in that sequence with the mo- the moped guys. And then when she started doing that with her hands, at first it was like ridiculous. Then it was like kind of like sad in a good way and creepy, which I actually, so I kind of, even though it looked ridiculous, I kind of liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It looked completely ridiculous. It looked like she was Very doing a really bad good. zombie. And yeah, yeah I, I didn't even pick up on, on, on that, honestly, until you guys made that connection. They're just like, man, she's not really good at whatever she's doing. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think she got hammered for being a bad actress. Like that was one of the complaints was that her and the, her and the male lead were just, just terrible. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I really don't think she was that bad. I mean, I've definitely seen worse. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it's it's all about the, the from this point on, it's all about her acclimating to, oh, hey, I'm alive again. Or am I? And BB's like, I'm alive. What happened? You know, and she she kind of at times goes apeshit crazy. And one of the first things she does is basically kill her father. Yeah, her father, by the way, named Harry Pringle, which is kind of funny. I think I would be a an abusive alcoholic if my name was Harry Pringle as well. Very uh, likely. Play played by Richard Marcus, also known as Dick Marcus, <laughs> which is funny for anyone who knows me. A relative? Uh, yeah, apparently. Um, I'm the last Marcus boy. Actually, my son is. But anyway. Uh, yeah, so it kills his, kills the father in a very fun way. It, this is when it like kind of takes a turn, I guess, right at the point when you see the opening of the um, of the the skull or whatever to put the chip in. Uh, it starts getting a little bloody, and, and then and a little ridiculous all at the same yeah, time. Yeah, and then so they of course, you know, it, because it's Wes Craven, there has to be some sort of very large furnace in the basement, and yeah, and. Uh, Robot Christie Swanson. Oh, there's a terrier. Hello, terrier. Look at that belly. Look at that belly. He can't hear you. That was embarrassing, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, what Craven loves burning him some child abusers. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, so she basically robot uh, Christie Swanson. So at this point, it's just a chip, right? Like they didn't redo the entire body with robotics, did they? No, no. It's just yeah, I didn't think so. But she is able to be extraordinarily strong and basically lift up her abusive father and pin him against this thing, burning him, and then tossing him into said thing. He turns into the Red Skull, basically. Yeah, he does. It's nice and, and creepy. And, and there was some oh. nice little makeup job because they actually burned away part of the cheek on the uh, left side, and you could actually see his teeth when they pulled him yeah, out. Something yeah, something that would... Although that was kind of... Yeah, neat. something that would be done with a little piece of green screen now. It, it looked really good. Definitely a lesson learned there from uh, burning one Fred Krueger. That is a good-looking terrier on Jimmy's yeah. shore. He's really cute. A... He had to get a bath the other day because he stuck his head in a fire pit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Harry Pringle. Yeah. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Thankfully, the fire pit was not on. So, yeah, basically, the murder spree begins. And, you know, let's just say that she's not right because of the, the fact that she did die. And as you know, in movies, if someone actually does die and comes back as a robot or a reincarnated uh, pet, for example, they're going to be not quite right. Yeah. Strong yeah, uh, so, cemetery vibes. 
So things things went definitely awry. But that does lead us to one of our most entertaining moments of the entire movie. Yeah. So Rob said that they were playing Ding Dong Ditch. They were actually trying to get back their basketball. Yes. That, that, because you always go to the neighbors, the creepy neighbor's house that threatened you with a shotgun on Halloween night to get back your basketball that went in their yard. And that's what led to BB getting killed and eventually uh, Samantha getting killed. Um, so yeah, so Samantha, Samantha bot the Samantha Nader. Ooh, I like that. Samantha okay. Yeah. Samantha, the Samantha Nader goes to, uh, Samantha to... bot sounds like a sex bot. Yeah, it does. Uh, it goes to, what's her name? Elvira's house mm-hmm. to get back the ball. And, uh, you know, you got to This is you. You pick this movie, Rob. You get you get through the honors. <laughs> so she gets into the house. Elvira gets her shotgun because she hears somebody in the house. And then she looks she wanders around the house, doesn't find anybody, comes back into the room that she was in. And Sam jumps up behind her and throws her against the wall, reaches down, picks up the basketball growls at Elvira. Which is a Voight basketball. It is. <laughs> growls at Elvira and then just chucks the basketball directly at Elvira's head. Which then explodes on impact. I mean, and I'm talking explodes. It's glorious. Shit went everywhere. And then... If that wasn't enough, the headless corpse <laughs> runs around the room uh, like a goddamn chicken with its head cut off, just bumping into shit, bleeding everywhere yeah. for like 10 to 15 seconds. Absolutely hilarious. Yeah. When the yeah. Greg and I both lost it when we watched it. Uh, yes. The basketball rolls in and I go, oh shit, that's a Voight basketball. You might remember Voight. If you were uh, lucky enough, as when we were younger, we got to play dodgeball in school. All the dodgeballs were void. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And I can say, as you said, dodgeball in school, I could smell the dodgeball. Yep. And I could hear the dodgeball. And you could see the white, Mountain, yep. the white uh, stenciled yep. on void. And, and the uh, little lines of texture on it. Yeah. And when, mm-hmm. when that scene happened, I'm sitting there screaming. Holy shit, death by basketball. And I'm going, I've seen this in... She should have died. (laughs) I've seen so many lists, so many video, like, lists with this kill in it. And it was just this, like, weight was lifted off my chest, I guess. I've finally seen the movie where it came from. (laughs) (laughs) I am... Excellent. I am... And, And was it worth it? Was 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 watching the kill? That worth was it? worth the price of admission, which was two dollars. There you go. So that was that was a super entertaining kill. But by this time, the police have started to figure out. You know, I think something's going on here. So they find they find the dad. They find Elvira. The the friend doesn't want to keep Paul's secret anymore. He's like, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell. And Sam tries to kill. Yeah, the Which is the, the second I, best moment from this film. When she dives out the when window, she leaps out the window head first. That yeah. was amazing. 
lands on him. And, and I think in the book, she actually stabbed him. In the book? There's a book? There, There is a book, by the way. And the book the is friend significantly different. Is, I believe, what it's called. The book is just called The Friend. Yeah. Significantly different. But then Samantha goes on the run, and it just doesn't end well from there. Yes, she's uh, she's learned how to run. She's uh, realized yes. that her previous perception of herself as a robot doesn't match the self that she's currently in, which is upsetting. She's starting to become, yeah, she, and she's also starting to become more confused because she's experiencing parts of Samantha and parts of BB. Samantha is starting to take over. Yep. And uh, just when it's probably too late because that, that timer with mm-hmm. the amount of time left on the movie was just getting lower and lower. And I'm like, this isn't yeah. going to end happily. No. You know, no they're not going to hop into a car and ride off into the sunset and a man and his dead robot girlfriend. Yep. Yeah. So the police corner her. Um, Paul asks her not to do anything. She looks at Paul and goes, in in a moment of lucidity, as Samantha goes, Paul. And he's like, oh, what? She, oh. And then she goes, <laughs> and runs at the cop and the, and the cop shoots her. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the like, least scary thing about this movie. <laughs> I mean. Yes. She's just like yelling as a robot. I'm just like, I'm surprised the cop didn't drop his gun laughing. <laughs> hey, man. Oh, I'm so scared. Well, what is that? Well, I do think that at some point they saw her pick up that guy and throw him like 40 feet into the other car. By his testicles. I believe car. it was 30. Okay, thirty feet into the into the police car. So they they knew that something was yeah. up. So they they wanted to shoot her as opposed to let her get her hands on them. Killing the guy, by the way. I guess another one where I wasn't sure if that would kill somebody. If I got thrown thirty feet in the air through by my testicles, I think I would actually <laughs> survive. Probably survive that. I thought you were a Terminator. Yeah, Greg. but if she threw you, if only we had a YouTube channel to test feet, this kind of thing. If she threw you thirty feet. With enough force to get you 30 feet into a vehicle that was coming the opposite direction. Yeah, I guess so. Gotta build a a man-sized catapult. Yeah, contact uh, Mythbusters. We're, we're doing this. So we want to grab our Let's friend by his testicles and throw him 30 feet <laughs> into an oncoming cop car. We're not going to touch that. No, no, no. You need to make a robot arm that does it, first of all. Yeah. Anyway, let's 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 move on there. So yeah, that's pretty much it. not a happy ending. Does the friend die, or just get severely fucked up by a very large robot? Oh no, there's there's one more thing. Yeah, the the friend does not die. However, I believe the friend does die in the book. It was his name? I feel like Ted Rob wrote at made... least one. I feel like Rob wrote at least one paper on this in college. <laughs> <laughs> The friend makes it out okay, um, but Paul, who just can't let it go, 
Let it go. Goes back Let it go. to the morgue to try and bring her back to life. And you know, when I saw it, when I saw it, I'm watching it with Greg. I'm like, now, wait a minute. She's already dead. What in the hell is shooting her with a gun going to do? And then I realized that it wasn't, it wasn't her body that was dead. It was just her brain. And when he stimulated her brain to make her body work again, you know, she was fine. But then if you kill the body, then, you know, everything else falls apart too. So he goes to the morgue to try yet again to bring his girlfriend back to life, our little young robo necromancer. And when he pulls her, when he pulls her drawer out at the morgue, you know, he waits till everybody's gone. He pulls the drawer out at the morgue and inexplicably, for some reason, she wakes up, reaches up, grabs his neck. And then like a robot skull just, just tears its way out of Samantha's head and robot arms tear its way out of some. Oh, I mean, it's like where the. Where I'm like, this, this is another from? dream sequence, and, right? It, no, it wasn't apparently, and and, and um, it breaks his neck, and that's the end of the movie. I'm like, what the, what the hell was that? That was the question I was going to do for this week. It was awful. Best, the best jump scares, like at the end of movies, like surprise things, like after the end of the oh. movie, but. I forgot it until. But it's not now. your episode we'll right. to until just now. I know, but we're all, uh, just we'll have to figure it out. So well, maybe we'll do that some other day, or maybe one of our maybe our fans can do it. Yeah, come on, fans, do something. Do something. Fans. Do a top five list of the best jump scares at the end of movies, like Carrie, or this one, or maybe Gary? other ones. Or He's in my list. Jumanji. Was there one in Jumanji? I don't know. There is now. Um, there should be. Yeah. Um, snake jumping out of Jack Black's ass. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, so this this movie was a little out there, and and you know initially, um, it wasn't supposed to be that far out there. Wes Craven and the screenwriter uh, Bruce Joel Rubin, um, they apparently disowned the film after being forced to make changes that they didn't like by the studio. There were a lot of things that they were forced to change once the studio realized who Wes Craven was, which seems kind of stupid that they hired him not really knowing who he was. But they're like, oh, yeah, you can do your Wes Craven stuff. Do that and make it gory and make it bloodier. And it was like, okay. Um, But Wes Craven initially wanted to do a movie that explored the love connection between the two kids between Paul and Sam. And he wanted the, the horror from the movie to come from the exploration of all the adults around the kids. And he described all the adults in the movie as monsters in human skin. And which is weird. Cause that's how we describe Rob when he's not on the episodes. Ab- ab- absolutely. But the, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Weren't there only there was really only one adult monster in the yeah, movie? Yeah, the other the other two adults and, were like the mom and the college professor, who were both kind of chill. Why? Well, there was there was also the old lady, and uh, she. she I monster. mean, I don't know that she was really. I don't know that she was really a monster. She was just crotchety. I mean, it it wasn't like she was hiding who she was. Whereas the dad was actually, you know, kind of a it was total literally scumbag. the same character she plays in every movie. Yeah. Get off my line. With with that same little slur that she mm-hmm. that she seemed to always have. Um 
he said he wasn't drawn to like the Frankenstein version of Sam and that and that goes on a killing spree, but he really that to me that really only left, like I said, the dad and the the old lady as the monsters. And and when I was initially doing this, I I, I was thinking, you know, unless things were like really changed from the original story or the book. I don't really understand how that would have made that much of a difference in the movie because I thought they were still presented the way that they were, you know, but I I think he wanted to focus more on the love story between Sam and Paul. Like far be it for me to get in the way of an auteur like Wes Craven, rest in peace. And I totally forgot he died. So fuck you, Rob, for making me sad. Uh, Yeah. But the most interesting thing in the movie about the dead girlfriend robot is Obviously, the dead girlfriend robot. I don't know why, like, usually I have been very, like, I don't like when they mess with the artist's original idea. Mm-hmm. But you could see where the movie executives might be like, hey, so we built this $20,000 robot and we made a movie about a dead robot girlfriend. And now you're saying the movie wasn't really about that? Like, I could see where they might be like, well, what, 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 what? Yeah. Well, and I think part of it was was the movie didn't test well. The movie didn't test well when they took it to test audiences and they wanted to add a little bit more gore. And the audiences liked the scenes that were a little bit gory, so they they actually made him add in like three to five scenes that actually were they insisted on them getting progressively gorier as they went along. So the and and I think the culmination was the basketball scene. And I I was doing some research on this and I found out that for that basketball scene they they had a a fake head of Elvira on a dummy that basically they hurled a basketball at when it exploded and they literally stuffed the fake head with real cow brains that they had gotten from a local butcher. So when the head exploded, that is actually cow brains that are exploding all over the wall and on the floor and shit. (laughs) Just ridiculous. And I thought it was funny that, that Wes Craven himself was really, really kind of jockeying for the position to get to throw the ball at the head to get it to explode. But it ended up being, he had to end up relinquishing it to these special effects guys because they're the ones that had to do it so that it exploded, right? But he really wanted to throw that ball at the head. <laughs> Can't blame him. Who doesn't? Yeah. And and that that ending where the robot comes out of Samantha's skin was 100% studio interference. That scene was conceived of and and insisted on being put in by the head of the studio. He's like, oh, I thought of this. This will be great, and made them film it and people put it were in the like, studio. well, or put it it's in the a uh, dumbass idea. But you got all the money, so sure. Yep. I yep. was like, what the fuck is happening? Oh, this is clearly another West Craven dream sequence. Oh, oh, it's over. Okay, never mind. Nope, that's okay. Well then, excellent. <laughs> that was fucking dumb. So yeah. Yeah, so, but Greg Greg was not incorrect. That robot actually cost twenty thousand dollars for them to build. I wonder where it is now. And 
And it was a functional robot. It could actually lift up to 750 pounds. So can I. If I wail on my pecs. It's, it's because it's because you've got so much work with that elephantitis balls you got True. going on. Yeah, I gotta, gotta do one of those doctor visits through the webcam. <laughs> Does this look right? They're doc? like, hang on, there's some kids playing volleyball behind me. <laughs> uh, oh boy. So, so that was, that was our lovely movie for this week. And, and I got to say, I, I really like that, that your, your book reminded me of this movie, Jimmy, because I enjoyed, I, I did enjoy watching. Was it again. mostly because the character on the cover of the book looks just like Christy Swanson in the movie? No, it was because the, the, the cover of the book reminded me of the, movie poster or the the cover oh, of the yeah, it sure DVD does. where she's like yeah where she was like reaching with out at you or the cover of the VHS claw hands with her lobster yeah. claw yeah so it, it it reminded me of that and I'm like you know what we should see if we can find that movie so I, I'm glad that that uh my best friend's exorcism reminded me of this and we got to enjoy it this oh week. yeah it was so very that's so, the question What's the question? Yeah, the question, not this question. The question that we usually ask about movies. Should this be remade? It has been. Yeah, and I was just gonna, I was trying to think, think of the way to say that. Yeah, in multiple ways. No, it it and it, it has been. It's it's been made in multiple ways. Um, there have been, been movies that did it better. Uh, Weird Science beat this one to the punch. So, I, as I said before, Pet Cemetery, a little bit of Pet It's like Weird Science with Pet Cemetery mixed in. Yeah, there's a Yeah, it's not quite Weird Science because this one this one involves like reanimating. Yeah. Like a love There's one a with robot There's a movie parts. called Dead Girl um which came out okay. Yeah, I don't I don't even remember, but it was uh it was more on the extreme side. But it uh, it had very much the same vibe to it. So, should this be remade? No, no, I don't think so. Um, it it should nah, be. It wouldn't, it wouldn't stand out. No, it it wouldn't. Uh, but you know the uh, the moments that this movie uh, do have will live in infamy forever. Uh, if you Google mm-hmm. "Deadly Friend," there are pictures of the cover. And there are pictures of the exploding basketball head. As soon as I get done recording, there will be an animated GIF. GIF. I will always get that wrong now. GIF. GIF is correct. There will be an animated image on the Facebook page. There's not an animated image on the Instagram page. I thought that Instagram had animation, but it does not. So I put it up this this picture, which only took one frame and no one knows what the hell it is. Yeah, it is we're picture. old. We don't know. Yeah. So like there's this image up there that says soon and it has a picture of some old lady about to get hit in the face with a basketball. Oh, you so did people that? might think Yeah. And it was like it yeah. And it doesn't actually move, but I decided to leave it up there. So oh well. Excellent. Yeah. And 
I think they could remake this movie if they wanted to. It would probably require a drastic rewrite. They'd have to change a lot of stuff involved in it. But I mean, this this is not a topic that I'm. I, I'm certain that we will at some point see this topic again. We'll we'll see this story again in some other iteration. Um, so I, I'm confident in saying that at some point we probably will see this movie again, but it'll it'll be a slightly different movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dead Girl was 2008. Um, is not for the uh, weak of the faint of heart. Interesting. So that leads us to our question question. The top five question of the week. Good, Rob. Is give me your top five creepy neighbors. Okay, so the one across the street now, is really nice. Not really that creepy, but the one, Oh, in movies and TV. Okay. I'm talking about movies and TV. That is correct. And and I would like to, to make some um, some clarification because the the neighbors cannot be the the main character in the movie. They have to be a side character. So it it can't be it can't be someone. And you're like, oh well, they they live next to somebody. You know, yeah, they're, that's what I was wondering too. Because everyone is technically a neighbor. Yeah, right. They're they're creepy neighbors. They live next to somebody. So I wouldn't want them as my neighbor. No, it it has to be a neighbor from a movie, not as the main character. Okay, I th- I think I have that. So um, I'll go ahead. And it, and it has to, I was going to say, and there was one more, it has to actually be a neighbor of, you know, either close by or directly next to, you know, neighborhood somebody in the movie. Okay. Right. Like, like, I don't think, I don't think like Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs counts because he, yes, he is somebody's neighbor, but I don't think he's anywhere near Clarice Starling or yeah. anything like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, uh, I th- I think I have that covered. Um, yeah. Go for it. Yeah. If uh, if I could only find my list. Oh, shame on me! Shame on me! So I've got it. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, and kick this off as is my lot in life, as I've said, with my number five, and that's going to be Wayne Mackey or Officer Mackey. From the film Summer of '84, um, he's he's creepy because of how normal he is, and then he's creepy because he's fucking crazy. Uh, spoiler: mm-hmm. uh, Fantastic film Summer of '84, ironically played by a man named Rich Summer. And it's crazy because growing up, I think we all knew somebody like Wayne. Yeah, my. Me a couple of those on my list. Number four is going to be Gary from the movie that Rob <laughs> introduced me to. That's Game Night, played by Jesse Plemons. Uh, funny. He was oh, so, he was so weird, role, wasn't he? That's a good one. That is a good one. Number three, Old Man Marley from the movie Home Alone. He was creepy. But he was just misunderstood. Okay. Played by Roberts Blossom. Uh, number two, and I'm just giving their names because I feel like it. You guys don't have to. Number two, this was difficult for me, um, but I'm going to put Lars Thorwald from Rear Window. 
He's okay. the uh, neighbor of Jimmy Stewart, played by Raymond Burr, who may or may not have killed his wife. Spoiler alert, he did. Number one. That's the movie that Disturbia was based on, right? Movie a lot of movies are based on. Yeah. Uh, so great. So good. Do yourself a favor and watch uh, Rear Window if you haven't seen it. Number one, the Clopex from the movie starring Tom Hanks, The Burbs. Uh, whole creepy Excellent. family. Yep. Mm. And you got my mind wandering when you did that. And there's a couple that I was like, oh, crap, I forgot about those guys. Mm. Yeah, we try to have a couple well, that like, I forgot about. Yeah, well, you had the Clopex on there. I've never actually seen the Burbs. Uh, so I, I tried to avoid movie, stuff that I didn't man. see. And then and then we were talking. And then you mentioned uh, the uh, uh, the what's uh, shit, I have it. Uh, the guy a uh, rear window, dude, Lars Thorwald. Yeah. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, crap. And it reminded me of like one of the ultimate scary neighbors, Boo Radley which was not on my list, which should have been from uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, because mm. he was, but yep. of course turned out not as scary, you know, mis- more misunderstood. So let me give you my honorable mentions here. Go for it. They're not necessarily scary, but they are terrible, terrible neighbors that I would not want to live near. Uh, ugly naked guy from Friends, who lived yep. across the street from Monica and Rachel, All right. who mm-hmm. was in fact an ugly naked guy. Uh, Todd and Margot Chester from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, the Uber 1980s preppies, yuppies, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wasn't talking to her or whatever. I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to her. But anyway, uh, and also I always got a very creepy uh, pedophile vibe from Tom Anderson. Do you know who Tom Anderson is? The perpetually sweaty neighbor of Beavis and Butthead. Uh, He's always like sweating and ma- and making them mow his yard and stuff. And yeah, I, I, got a, I got a weird vibe there. But maybe that's just how he was drawn for another uh, Roger Rabbit reference. But anyway, let's go with the real ones. Uh, Sid from Toy Story. Okay. Yeah, toys one. remakes them, although probably misunderstood. Because, you know, they were just toys. All of us destroyed our toys. Uh, the Castavets from Rosemary's Baby. Uh, Ruth Gordon and Sidney Blackmer. Actual Satan. Uh, whatever. Or Satan necromancer. Not necromancers. We said that too many times. <laughs> Actual Satan necromancers. Actual Satan necromancers. We'll go with that. Uh, like I said, Lars Lars Walt did make it onto my Sammy onto Davis my list. Jr. made a whole movie devoted to the devil album. What you're rubbing off on me, you what damn is... devil necromaster. <laughs> necromaster. I'm not talking anymore. <laughs> necromaster would totally be my wrestling name. Satan Necromasters. That's the name of this episode. Uh, uh, Summer of '84 and Mr. Wayne Mackey. And man, the, cre- the dude that creeped me out in movies for my number one uh kurt desender that's ian mckellen's character in apt pupil mm. oh yeah that movie, i used to watch that movie all the time because when it, we had it at blockbuster because some it was like on the wall forever and everyone would call it apartment pupil and because of the that was the abbreviation for apartment but it was not but he there was something about how evil and blue ian mckellen's eyes looked in that movie mm. that just freaked me out so that, that he ended yes. up as my number one, although the, the top three were very interchangeable for me. Fair enough. Well, I'll go ahead and do mine. Um, I've got at number five, 
I have I also have Wayne Mackey on my list. Summer nice. of eighty four. At number four, a new entry that neither of you mentioned. I'm gonna put Jerry Dandridge. Jerry Dandridge is the vampire from the original Fright Night. He was he was in my honorable mentions too, but I wanted to leave him out there for some others. So he's my number four. My number three, (laughs) not quite that scary, but they are kind of creepy neighbors. But I really enjoyed the movie, and I really I'm gonna say everyone from Hot Fuzz. Oh, the entire. The entire freaking village—they were all sir. off their well rockers. Done. So I'm going to go with everyone from Hot Fuzz at number three. At number two, I'm going to include one of those nightmare neighbors. And that's going to be Abel Turner, played by Samuel L. Jackson in Lakeview Terrace. Never, I did not see that movie, or even know it existed. Yeah, showed up on some really, research, really. Really, really terrorized that family. But at number one, I'm going to list, I'm going to list a couple that did not make either of your lists. And that's going to be mom and dad from the people under the stairs. Oh, another uh, fantastic Wes Craven film. Mm -hmm. Wes Craven makes the list. Very good, sir. And that'll be my five. Nice. Very, very nice. Well, guys, as usual, we like making our own list, but we like hearing yours as well. So you can reach us by emailing us at gimme5podcast at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter or Instagram, gimme5pod. And let's see. And, uh, you know, make sure as you're listening to us, if you like what you're listening to and you happen to be in where, where are we not represented? Uh, um, Bangladesh, Sweden. Was it? Yeah. Well, we had one in Sweden. No, you said we had yeah, one. Bang- if you happen to be. Oh, yeah. So Bangladesh, um, if you are yeah, there. If you... Yeah. Please write a review and uh, like us and whatever. Uh, we apologize that we do not have our, that our Bangladeshi or whatever language is over there is, is a little rusty, uh, is a little rusty right now, but please, by all means, you know, and just think you can actually go onto our store, give me five podcast.threadless.com. And you could be the very first person with a, give me five podcast t-shirt in Bangladesh or India or Spain. You could do that. You could buy that. That was, and you could walk around and people would be like, that's, I want to ship some over there just so we can see somebody just like wandering around in the street. <laughs> like some like ho- some like homeless dude in France with like a like walking yeah. around with one of our T-shirts and like a glass of wine. Yeah, I want to yeah. see that. I'm OK with that. But anyway, so we got that. Uh, uh, we got a store. Give me five podcast dot dot com. Bengali. Jimmy. Bengali. I mean, thank you. You're Jimmy. welcome. Yeah. Bangladeshi. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. so sorry. Sorry. Our friends in Bangladesh, you can direct your hate mail to Greg uh, at give me five podcast.com. If you're interested in uh, recreating some of the magic that we are experiencing here, though we are quarantined, we are recording with the lovely uh, service called Squadcast. With our clothes with on. With our clothes on. 
Yes. We are all clothed. Uh, Greg, tell tell uh, tell everyone out there in Bangladesh um, how they can. I'm actually trying to figure out how to say sorry in Bengali. In Bengali. Yeah, Bangladeshi. I am trying to figure it out, and uh, it looks like it is okay. So let's hear. Uh, let's say there's uh, Dukita. Dukita. Yep. Thank you. Anyway, yeah, we what we do is we use this thing called Squadcast, and Squadcast allows us. You probably just said I will murder you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be in so much trouble. It's gonna be an international incident because of this podcast. Uh, anyway, we use this thing called Squadcast, where I can safely sit at home away from these guys and any uh, Bengalese hit squads that want to murder me for saying something terrible uh, by just recording over the internet and. It's cool. You can talk. It records. It sends the files to the right place. We can see each other. Um, you know, right now, Rob giving me the finger. And Jimmy giving me lusty eyes. So, <laughs> anyway, we can, uh, yeah, so Squadcast, we are an affiliate for Squadcast. We have that link on our webpage, the Jimmy. So, lovely day that made Jimmy, dear Lord, man, three times with that picture. Uh, anyway, three, uh, podcast, uh, website, give me five podcast.com. Check it out. Use our link, buy our stuff. Uh, I apologize. I wish I knew how to say it in Bengali, but I do not. Thank you guys so much for listening. Good morning. Good afternoon. And good night, wherever you are in the world. It only sounded like somebody farted again. No, I was crossing something out on the page. That was actually not a fart this time. <laughs> that was this. That was the, it's just a pen on paper. Okay. <sighs> Jimmy, can you say the thing? Jimmy, your mic isn't on. I turned my... He's laughing quietly. Uh. <laughs>